G'day ladies and gents, welcome to Life of Mine, Matty Michael here and I'm here each week to bring you some down to earth conversations with a whole range of characters. We talk about mining, we talk about life, we talk about absolutely bloody anything and we do it in true Aussie fashion. So if you like an unpolished yarn where the level of professionalism can significantly vary each week, then Life of Mine is where it's bloody at. Rightio, for this episode, John, I was very privileged to have the WA Minister for Mines and Petroleum, Energy and Industrial Relations, the Honourable Bill Johnson. And funnily enough, we only spent a little bit of time on the coronavirus. I thought I'd give the poor bloke a break from it. And we spoke about some of the great things that mining and energy bring to Australia and specifically some of the initiatives that the WA government have in place for the resources sector. We also spoke about the future of energy in both Australia and the world and look what is true about climate change. Look, the news can confuse you sometimes depending on who you bloody listen to and you'll be very surprised of where the future of energy supply will likely be. It's not coal or diesel, funnily enough. Duh. Anyway. Let's get into my chat with Minister Johnson, who actually answered every question I asked in a very direct way. I thought I thought he was a bloody politician. Couldn't believe it. What a legend. Rightio, let's get into it. Check in the portal. Copy, shift pop. I got a radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy your personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. The town in the Vimberg. Yeah, stitcher up there. Thanks, mate. Yeah, righto, copy that. Uh, now, I have to, I'll bring this up straight away, I have to apologise. When I sent the first email, I'd never actually sent an email to a Member of Parliament before, ch- chasing the interview, and I write the headline was, G'day Bill. I think I've never, <laughs> I should have been G'day Minister, I'm sorry about that. Um, well, <laughs> I, I wouldn't look, have known, because to tell you the truth, the emails don't actually go to me. Oh, that, oh that's good then, I'm surprised I got a reply back, I was, I was happy about that. <laughs> no, that's right, everybody calls me Bill. That's oh, good. that's good. Oh, that's uh, that's settled that one, uh, mm. mate. Is there any are there any busier people in the world than uh, politicians at the moment? There's a bit going on for you. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people working very hard. Not just uh, us, but uh, you know, um, it, uh, we're all in this together, and uh, hopefully we'll pull through. Yeah, definitely. I think oh, Mister McGowan, I'd say he'd be uh, he'd be topping the hours list in WA, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's certainly uh, doing a great job. Nah, too easy. Uh, Bill, do you want to, before we get into this, just give us a bit of a, give us your CV, mate, uh, tell it, <laughs> well, just to show everyone that I haven't pulled a, a bum off the street to come and tell us about uh, the WA resources economy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've, I've been uh, a minister for three years. I've been um, in parliament since 2008, and prior to that I was the uh, uh, general secretary of the Labor Party, so I'm the ultimate insider. Um, um, I, I've been working in politics full time since 1998 when I got elected as Assistant State Secretary of the Labor Party. Um, prior to that, I was a union official for the Shop Assistance Union, and uh, before that, I was a public servant in Canberra. So, where, how long have you been in the role of Minister for Mines, Petroleum, Energy? Sort of, I guess, the whole resources sector. Uh, yeah, well, I got I, I've been Minister for Mines and Petroleum since uh, March 2017, and then I uh, got added the energy. I had other portfolios, and then I swapped the other commerce uh, for uh, elect- uh, energy in uh, December of 2018. Very good. I guess you've come in at the good time. You've seen, the, I guess, the recent, at the back end of where it was, uh, 
well, the best way to explain it, it was pretty crap in the mining sector. It's uh, it's all mm. starting to pick up now, which is fantastic. Prior prior to this uh, this virus going around. Yeah. Well, look, uh, the, the the you know, I don't. I mean, obviously, uh, it's only a joke, but uh, I do point out that the gold price has gone up the whole time I've been minister. <laughs> Good to hear, mate. I'll work at a gold mine, so keep that yeah, going. You, you, I'll yeah. keep. I'll vote for you then, if that's the case. That's, so, it, that's right, <laughs> mate. Yeah. It's awesome to see that everyone's working so hard to keep all the. Oh, I do say, oh, I guess I'm talk about mining most of the time, but I guess we'll yeah. talk about the resources sector as an entirety today. But sure. it's awesome to see it's all been everything has been done to make it keep it open during this pandemic uh i guess what i want to know is a lot from your perspective if in the worst case event that it was all shut down all fifo all everything what would that do what would that do to the economy how important is every all the resources sector to the wa economy or australia uh the the resource sector is the backbone of western australia's economy and we and as we all know it carries the the national economy too that's why we're doing everything we can to avoid um, having uh, too much impact in the resource sector, and we're very pleased at how uh, closely the government's able to work with the industry here in Western Australia to make sure that we can uh, protect everybody's health while still keeping the uh, mining uh, going strong. Because how, how, how many businesses would be affected, like, indirectly, from oh, shutting thousands. down mining? Like, it'd be, yeah. Yeah, like, I think I heard something like 10, 10 people are... Indirectly involved in mining to each person employed by mining. Or yeah, resources. it's probably about that. I mean, there's about 130,000 people directly in mining, but there's you know tens of thousands of others who hang off the industry either through servicing the industry or who uh, get the benefit of the wages that are paid to uh, workers in the industry. So it's absolutely critical to Western Australia. It's 20% of our budget is uh, our mining royalties. And that goes to running our health system. So without the mining uh, industry keeping going, we would have uh, real trouble, real trouble here in Western Australia. And that's why we need to partner so closely with the industry to make sure that we can uh, reduce the uh, spread of the disease. Yeah, well, it's looking looking flattened. Hopefully, hopefully we're on the right on the right track. I feel pretty privileged to be in WA. Actually, the essentially that isolated island. Are they? Um, Oh, I'm not sure if you can even comment on much of it, but are, are we are we looking for an eradication within Western Australia, or are they looking just to slow it down as much as possible? Well, um, you know, it's it's not clear whether it will ever be able to be eradicated, and one of the challenges is that, uh, uh, you know, um, we don't want to be like uh, Singapore and and uh, China and uh, Korea that uh, got the uh, case load down to very low levels and then had the disease kick off again because it's so. Uh, terrible um, is very easy to spread and uh, and has dire consequences. And because uh, people can be uh, have the disease for four or five days before they show symptoms, it's very hard to contain. So, you know, we're working all we can to uh, reduce the spread of the disease. Right, I'm going to do you a massive favour today, and you probably haven't had this for a while. I'm going to I'm going to can the coronavirus talk right there, and we're going okay. to like talk about something else because there's nothing no else. People probably need a breather after. That's it. <laughs> it just drains That's you. Now, onto idea. the resources sector, mate. Sure. There's all You see all the, to the average blow, Joe, that's not involved with it at all, especially probably in eastern states. WA, everyone's sort of involved yeah. in mining in some way. 
Sure. You, you just you watch all the negative media on climate change, things like that, greenhouse gases. But look, what what's the stuff that the great things that the resources sector brings to the economy, WA and Australia, that all these people that get consumed in the media don't know about? Well, the first thing is that you can't have uh, renewable energy without mining because the resources have to come out of the ground. Um, you know, we're the global su- number one supplier of lithium, just as an example. So, um, you know, you can't have uh, renewable energy without uh, batteries. You can't have electric vehicles without batteries and you can't have that without Western Australia. Um, even gold, uh, you know, a store of value uh, used for jewellery, but also it's used in... Uh, in um, electronic equipment. So uh, there's so much of uh, what the world uses that comes out of the ground. And uh, without Western Australia, um, uh, that wouldn't be available to people. And the other thing, of course, is that the Australian mining industry, particularly the West Australian mining industry, is very well regulated. So that means you can be confident that if you buy materials that are mined here in Western Australia, they're being supplied ethically. So, you know, that's not true of all of our competitors. Um, you know, you don't have children in mines in, in Western Australia. You, you have high safety standards. You have high environmental standards. You know that First Nations peoples were looked at and, and were part of the decision process uh, for the mine. So, you know, you can really have confidence out of Western Australian mining that uh, the industry is being uh, done on a sustainable footing. And, you know, uh, people forget that uh, our uh, mining industry supporting China and our Asian, other Asian partners have seen uh, billions of people come out of poverty over the last 30 years. So it's a really, it's a great story that we tell here in the West Australian resources sector. Do you, do you get around to many mine sites or uh, many projects around WA in amongst your very busy schedule, I assume? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously at the moment I'm not, but <laughs> I do try and get out to a project once a month or once every six weeks or so. Uh, sometimes, you know, like uh, sometimes I can do a couple in a day uh, but uh, often uh, it takes you a day just to get there. So, um, you know, I do try and get around projects as much as I can. What uh, yeah, what I've are been something... to Agnew. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's where, that's yep. where I'm there. I saw some uh, interesting posts on LinkedIn. We'll get to about uh, renewable energy side of things, but they reckon at the right weather conditions, uh, they'll yep. be able to supply 60% of the mine site with renewable energy, which is unbelievable between the wind turbines yep. and the solar. Well, the the cost of renewable energy has crossed over now and it's now cheaper than other forms of energy. So there's a good business story uh, for for industry to invest in renewable energy now. And, of course, there's great benefits for uh, society and the environment as well. Yeah, fantastic. Now, look, prior to this uh, coronavirus, just absolute storm of negativity in the world at the moment, but prior to that, what was, uh, I guess, some of the initiatives that were going on by the Labor government in WA to help people in the resources sector? Sure. Well, um, you know, uh, one of the things I'm very proud of is to support the uh, FIFO mental health uh, code of practice so that uh, we're better supporting people in the industry. Uh, You know, FIFO is important here in Western Australia and many workers actually uh, prefer the FIFO lifestyle. But we have to make sure that uh, workers are supported um, through proper mental health uh, uh, frameworks, and so I'm very proud of uh, having got that uh, code, of, code of practice in, into operation. Uh, we've got the exploration incentive scheme, of course, which is um, in two parts. 
one part is supporting uh, government uh, pre-competitive geophysical information and the other is the co-funded drilling program. And there's many uh, discoveries here in Western Australia that have come uh, from from that EIS, including uh, the Nova uh, Nickel Project and the Guerrero Gold Project, just as, as examples. Uh, we've got the future battery industry strategy, trying to make some uh, the most out of our uh, resources there to um, to uh, parlay our natural resources into downstream processing in the in the battery area. Um, we've got uh, and that's being supported, including the uh, future battery industry cooperative research centre, which the state government's put six million dollars into that. Um, we we settled on a, a new structure for the lithium royalty to make sure that uh, we, we can support uh, downstream processing. Um, we've got Streamline WA working to see how we can uh, shorten the approvals processes here in Western Australia to make sure that they uh, are fit for purpose and uh, continue to support industry. And the other day, the, the department was able to announce the halving of the timelines for program of work. So, you know, we've, we're trying to do our best to support the industry because we know how critical it is and particularly support the exploration side of things because the exploration side, you know, without exploring you can't uh, get the next discovery um, and so, you know, we, we understand that we need to uh, support those exploration companies who are taking that chance in uh, uh, going into new places to see whether they can find the next big thing. Oh, geez, you've done well to bloody rattle all them off in one go, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> now, sure. uh, back to you, like you sound pretty passionate about the, the mental health code of practice with the FIFO workers. Has there been yep. a sequence of events that led to that really being on the top of your list? Yeah, well, I mean, the the we all know that there's been many challenges for uh, FIFO workers. And so in the last parliament, there was an inquiry into... Uh, the mental health of FIFO workers, and the number one recommendation was the creation of the code of practice. So we've implemented that now, and we'll see how that uh, how industry responds to that over the next few years, and uh, we'll see what we have to do next. Yeah, awesome. Like I want to speak, and also want to speak to you specifically about rosters, and like sure. mental health of FIFO workers and rosters are essentially the same thing in my view, because a lot of uh, Mental health problems arise from people working extended rosters. Not every case, yep. but like just a bit of sure. a gen generalisation. Um, sure. Look, I I'm lucky enough to work on an even time roster. Unfortunately, yep. uh, a lot of people can't, especially entry level that might be working sure. two and one for years and years. What's hmm. look? Are there any ideas or initiatives out there to try and reduce the amount of uneven time rosters like your two and ones and three and ones uh look i'm not sure what can be done whether it's government subsidies to make everyone even time has there been any thought into that well look we you know we want to work with industry to identify the challenges that these long rosters uh, uh create and um you know if we have to uh, go further on the FIFO code of practice, uh, then you know we're open to do that. But you know we'd hope that the uh, code of practice will have an impact in the industry, and that uh, uh, companies will volu voluntarily provide better arrangements for their workforce. I mean, companies always tell me that their number one resource is their workforce, so I hope that companies put that into practice and actually uh, demonstrate by the way they treat their workforce that they they really mean that. Because 
through through that whole implementation of that root cause, um, the sorry, the code of practice for the mental health program. What were some of the identified as the key root causes to you know diminishing mental health of yeah. uh, FIFO workers? I, I gather is rosters one of the big ones. Yeah, rosters, but actually one of the biggest ones was access to technology on site so that uh, uh, people, when they're away, could stay in touch with their family. So even just um, uh, making sure that you've got good Wi-Fi at a a work camp is really a really critical part of uh, allowing workers to stay in touch with their family. Also, um, just the nature of the work site, making sure that it's... uh, Friendly to everybody, that uh, nobody's being excluded. Um, so that's a, you know, um, um, inclusive work sites uh, is a major issue. Um, uh, the physical, you know, not the, the providing people with their own space um, in the in the work camps. Uh, they're all ways of uh, helping uh, ameliorate the mental stress of a FIFO lifestyle. Yeah. But rosters rosters are part of that, of course. Yeah. No, well, they do do a good job. Try, mate, people in the mine, there's a lot of people in mine and the biggest whingers you'd ever meet. So they, they, the companies do a pretty good job, very good job of a, of a commenta- accommodating us, that's for sure. It's about it's yeah. a home away from home, nearly, on an even time roster. You spend more time away. So you may as well, you, we, we are very well looked after. My, my daughter worked at Lawless, which isn't far from you, I understand, and that's, uh, you know, she was on an eight and six. Uh, she quite liked it. She, she was a student geologist, so she didn't have to do it full time. She did it uh, two summers for you know three months at a time, and um, you know she found the eight and six was uh, good for her. But you know um, people need to um, be able to choose their own lifestyle, and uh, and certainly we would encourage employers to give people options uh, so they can settle on um, what they uh, what what suits their lifestyle. And so we do, you know, encourage employers to be flexible. They always, employers have always asked for employees to be flexible, and now we recognise that companies need to do the same. And so, you know, job sharing arrangements and other uh, uh, unusual uh, rostering patterns should be uh, accommodated, because that's going to give people. You've got more control over your life. You're going to have uh, more control over your mental health uh, challenges as well. Oh, look, per- personally, I reckon FIFO. Is like like anyone on an even time roster, two and two, one and one. Like the amount of time you get at home compared to someone that's working, or quality time you get at home compared to someone working Monday to Friday in the city. God, I reckon you wish you could go on eight and six, five hard sometimes, <laughs> wouldn't you? Sometimes, sometimes that'd be good. Yeah, I mean, you know, we do still have challenges around uh, shutdowns and uh, and construction, um, but you know, the, we we do need to continue to work with companies to. Uh, give people more options. I think it's good for the young, like young single workers. Like, yeah, great. Like, they love the long rosters. Good for, like, great for set themselves up, earn, earn good money mm. while you're young. But it's the, as soon as you have kids, everything changes. That's when, uh, God, even time rosters just, they're, they're the people I worry about is fathers and some mothers that do do it as well, but fathers away from sure. their kids on two and one. Um, you just yep. see them, it's just an absolute, Draining on them, on both them and the and the spouse at home. Um, yeah, there, there. That's where the heart goes out to. So, sure. Um, now on to oh the 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 words you hear all the time: climate change. Now, sure. look, 
the bloody news is your worst enemy sometimes. Like you, one day you'll hear a, a left wing activist on there given a set of figures that'll support their argument. Then you'll get Alan Jones on Sky News spruiking his numbers and saying it's all under control. Look, I guess from the ground floor, you're right in the midst of it. What hmm. are some of the true facts and figures that just can't be manipulated about climate change? Well, look, you know, the the thing is that climate change is happening. I mean, I know that uh, some people try and argue about why, but here in the southwest of Western Australia, you can see that our average rainfall has been declining since the 50s, and it's now, you know, quite desperate. So we, we get our, our water now from desalination plants rather than from rain. So you can see the impact that uh, climate change is having on people. Um, and, you know, the balance of probabilities is that uh, uh, it's caused by human activity, and so therefore you do have to respond to that. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you need to shut everything down because, as I've already outlined, um, the mining industry, for example, is providing resources that allows us to have a renewable energy future, that allows people in our our uh, you know neighbours in Asia that they can uh, come out of poverty. And, of course, our energy exports are critical to uh, the development of of our neighbours as well. I mean, if you think, uh, you know, Western countries have turned energy into wealth for the last 250 years. So it's natural that uh, people in neighbouring countries like India and Indonesia want to do the same as we did and, and use energy to create a better lifestyle. So, um, you know, these things are all balanced. Um, but as a West, uh, developed, rich Western country, we do need to accept our responsibility and that's why the government here in Western Australia is working on uh, climate action all the time. Yeah, well, what's your vision for not just in your tenure but look for the next century, say? How well, much we, of Australia's power do you think can be supplied by renewable energy with technolog technological advancements that are going to happen that we don't even know about? Yeah, so there's no question that we're, we're not that far away from being able to do 100% renewable. It's currently right? not possible. Yeah. Yes, it's currently not possible, but... Uh, hydrogen is the key. If we can uh, work out how to make hydrogen at an affordable price, then that will be the, the balancing fuel for renewable energies. Because at the moment, because of a whole range of technical issues around the performance of uh, wind farms and solar farms, that you'd still need to have another form of energy to support the um, uh, renew current renewable. So uh, hydrogen is, is, would appear to be the most likely candidate to be the swing fuel to support those other renewable technologies. So that's a really exciting opportunity and the good news is that we're at the leading edge of that research and development here in Western Australia um, and uh, my friend the Minister Alana McTiernan is running the government's uh, hydrogen strategy. Uh, so you know we are looking to see how we can... Um, make the most of that opportunity here in Western Australia. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. Is that, and is what's the current process to generate hydrogen? Are you extracting it from water? or? Is yeah, so that's what happens is you extract it from water. Um, it's just very expensive at the moment. It's not currently viable in, in, in a financial sense. It's technically uh, fine, but it's, it's just getting it done at a price that makes the hydrogen competitive with other fuels. 
but we know that these costs are coming down. There are other ways of doing it. There's what they call that's called so generating hydrogen from electric uh, from renewable electricity. That's called green hydrogen. But there's another way, what they call uh, blue hydrogen, which is where you separate from natural gas. You separate the hydrogen and the carbon. And if you then can store the carbon, uh, whether it's in a solid form or re-injected into played out gas wells, then that uh, you can do that on a carbon neutral basis. Um, uh, so there's a lot of opportunities for hydrogen in the future. And the great news is that the technology that's used to produce uh, LNG from natural gas is very similar to what will be used to uh, do industrial scale, um, handle industrial scale uh, hydrogen. So the workforce is, is already there. The technology, you know, familiar technology is already there. So you know, Western Australia is ideally placed to uh, benefit from a hydrogen future. So with we know that, okay, wind, solar, all good, green. Diesel-fired power stations, horrible, <laughs> shocking. Where does gas sit? Well, g- gas is, is certainly better than uh, diesel for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it it is uh, more carbon efficient. So for each uh, kilowatt of energy, it's... it's um, producing less carbon emissions. But the other thing that people don't focus on is that uh, our natural gas is a domestic fuel source and we don't have to import it like we do with diesel. So it's a benefit for the uh, balance of trade as well uh, because you're substituting an imported diesel for locally produced uh, gas. So, you know, there's plenty of examples now, including Agnew, where there's been a substitution of gas for diesel. The other good thing is that natural gas and renewable energy plays very well together. They're very complementary because of the, like diesel is the the way the nature of the, of the of the uh, gas fired power stations means that they work very well with renewable energy. So it's a, a exciting opportunity uh, to substitute uh, gas for diesel, and a lot of mining companies are doing that now. Um, so you can see you can combine uh, renewable energy, batteries and gas uh, to significant, like you're doing at Agnew, to significantly reduce carbon emissions. Oh, bloody Agnew's going to be loving this. We're plugging the crap out of them. Good, good. Oh, they probably it. deserve it after all this. Now, what about the dirty, dirty word nuclear? Is that, is that just being scrapped forever, nuclear energy? Yeah, it's just ex- incredibly expensive um, and um, it, it's not flexible. Uh, they've been talk. I mean, I know that there's in the media at the moment people talking about micro generation facilities, like they use on uh, nuclear submarines. The first nuclear submarine was 1954, the Nautilus. So in nearly 60 years, nobody's been able to make an affordable micro uh, nuclear power station. So I'm not quite sure why people think one will arrive tomorrow. <laughs> um, the the other thing is, of course, we in Australia we don't have any nuclear technologists. We've got a small number of research people over in Sydney, but you know how many gas fired and diesel fired power stations are there? Hundreds and hundreds of them. So the technology that of gas and diesel is very familiar, and now renewable energy also now very familiar. Whereas if uh, you built a large nuclear power station, all the operators, all the workers would have to either be trained first or brought in from overseas. All the engineers that built the plant would have to be brought in from overseas. All the technology that goes into the power station would have to be brought in from overseas. And you know what else? 
the fuel would have to come from overseas because you can't use uh, yellow cake, uranium yellow cake that comes out of a mine in a nuclear power station has to be turned into uh, a fuel rod, has to be enriched and turned into a fuel rod. Oh, so and you have to export it, then re-import Yeah, it's only done in a very small number of places, and those countries make money out of their uh, technology, so they're not going to give it away. So it, it would be very, very expensive. And uh, another thing is that a nuclear power station lasts between 50 and 80 years, so anybody investing in a nuclear power station has to take the risk for 50 or 80 years in that project, whereas a gas-fired power station, you can, you know, it's only going to last five years or 10 years or whatever. But the point is that it's a much shorter uh, timeline to get a return on your investment than a nuclear power station. Well, well, that sounds pretty bloody conclusive to me, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As uh, I always say, it's not the Greens that stop nuclear power, it's the merchant bankers. Yeah, is that right? There you go. Because you just have it in your – it's probably just a misunderstanding by society that just nuclear is so efficient and cheap, and uh, but it's yeah. just def- by far not the case. No, that's correct. It's the most of the, – the, you know, um, the US Energy Information Service uh, publish every year the new build cost of power and nuclear energy is regularly the top of that. Yeah. Now – Look, I think you've alluded to it before about the uh, the mental health work you've done in the in the FIFO scene. But what what's your while you are Minister for Mines and Petroleum, and we hope it's for a long time. Based on the you know, I'm your number one fan today after getting you on board. But look, what legacy are you looking to leave? What what do you want to get out of it? What what do what does everyone want to remember? Bill Johnston did for Western Australia. Well, I just want to. Uh, you know, um, work with people in the sector to make the most for West Australians because, uh, you know, we've got an amazing industry here in Western Australia and I want people to uh, get the most out of it that they can. Um, you know, we, we, we should be uh, telling everybody what a great industry it is. As I always say to people, the reason we're good at mining is because we're good at technology, not because we're good at quarrying. It, it's a technology story, not a quarry story. And, and that's what I'd love people to, to understand, that the West Australian mining industry is, is an advanced uh, technology sector where we apply complicated engineering to solve problems and, and our capacities can be used right around the world in a whole range of industries. So if you want a, you want a solution to a complex problem, come talk to a West Australian. Oh, that mate, that is the best sales pitch I've ever heard. Everyone will be moving over soon. That'll be good. Drive the house prices up. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, Minister, thanks very much for coming on. I no really appreciate it, your time during this uh, very busy time and I'll, I'll probably a bit of a draw card to come and talk not about coronavirus. So that's how I'm yeah, selling it these days. All right. Thanks very thanks much and I uh, hope we may speak again one day. <laughs> That'd be good. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, I'll mate. Righto, thanks to Minister Johnston for that chat. Very appreciative of his time. Very busy man in this current climate with coronavirus. Can't thank him enough. And uh, thanks to his uh, media manager, Vetti, for organising it all. Very much appreciated. Righto, everyone. Stay safe out there. You know now we're in good hands by the sounds. Hooroo. Hooroo.